Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. Last week, hundreds of parents, teachers, and students descended on Raleigh, calling on the General Assembly to address the K-3 class size mandate they say is creating chaos in schools across the state. Now that legislators have adjourned again without taking any action, what will happen next? We'll discuss with two GOP senators and a school superintendent. Before we tackle our main topics, we open with our headlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. A new study by a researcher at Duke University says charter schools in North Carolina are taking away money from traditional public schools and reducing services those school districts can provide to their students. Dr. Sonny Ladd found that charter schools had significant negative fiscal effects in the six North Carolina schools analyzed, Buncombe, Cabarrus, Durham, Iredell, Orange, and Union Counties. Now in Durham, her research found that charter schools were requiring the school system to reduce services for each student by between $500 and $700 a year, the largest negative impact found. Ladd believes the negative impact on other systems will only increase as more charters are authorized. Last week, the Robinson County Board of Education voted to turn over one of its schools to a charter school management organization instead of shutting the school down. Southside Ashpaw Elementary School will be the first school in North Carolina to take part in the state's innovative school district. The controversial new program approved by lawmakers in 2016 will take five of the state's lowest performing schools and hand them over to charter or education management organizations to try to improve their performance. Finally, a new and timely report issued as the nation marked the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says too many U.S. schools remain deeply segregated and too many students, particularly poor and students of color, lack access to skilled teachers, rigorous courses, and equitable school funding. The U.S. Commission on Civil Rights that published the study says there is too much inequity in funding, especially when research shows that students living in poverty often show up to school needing extra help and resources. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org and read more about each of these headlines as well as the other topics we cover each week. Now, the General Assembly did convene last week but did not take up changes to the class size mandate. I sat down with Rep Republican Senator Chad Barefoot, who represents Wake and Franklin Counties and co-chairs the Senate Education and Education Appropriations Committees to ask him what's next. Take a look. Well, Senator Barefoot, thanks so much for uh, coming to talk to us about the class size issue. Obviously, it's gotten a lot of attention. Um, certainly, no, uh, probably no place has gotten even more attention than right here in Wake County, uh, which you represent in the Senate. Now, you and uh, Senator Ber Berger and others have, have said that the class size uh, reductions have been funded. I believe um, Senator Berger said last week $222 million have been allocated. But for next year, for, for the next school year that would start in August of 2018, there's no funding that has been allocated right now for uh, both class size reductions and to fund specials teachers. Is that correct? That's right. And um, as you remember, there was a compromise piece of legislation that was passed uh, in the last session that was almost unanimous in both house chambers and, and signed by the governor. And it put into motion the current law that we're living under now. And there was an acknowledgement by the General Assembly at that time that to keep going with the classroom size, there would have to be additional funding for what we call program enhancement teachers. 
So what's been happening in the meantime is the law also directed local school districts across the state to give us data on their classroom teacher uh, situation. So in the law, there are classroom teachers. They're not really delineated by program enhancement or special teachers. So when we ask questions to DPI and say, how many of these people exist? We don't know the answer, the exact answer to that question. And that's why it's been a little bit, sometimes it's been hard to explain this issue because of the way teachers are funded in North Carolina. Like there's an allocation for teachers, but there's always been a ratio and sort of average class sizes. And so it's specialist teachers, enhancement teachers, whatever we want to call them, you know, art, music, PE they haven't been separately funded and the General Assembly did place in use in a, the technical corrections budget at the end of last session that you're going to fund them separately. Is that going to happen? Yeah, that is still our intention and the process that we're going through right now is collecting the data to determine what the price tag on that expenditure is, is going to be and just exactly how we are going to um, solve that problem. In the, 90, in the 1990s, there used to be two allotments. Uh, what we call program or special teachers were funded separately from classroom teachers. And I think it's the intent of us to get back to that situation so that when we talk about classroom teachers as we're going through our budget exercises, we, we know exactly what those words mean. Right. Um, now, you've seen, now you've seen the data that's been coming in. Now, I've, I mean, the estimates that I've read can put the could the price tag for could be north of 200 almost 300 million dollars is that something that when we're in January I mean I guess is the legislature going to be prepared to allocate that kind of money to the school districts to fund those in addition to funding what's needed to lower the class sizes to meet the mandate well I think it's certainly the Senate's intent to fund the program enhancement teachers and to create a separate allotment now some of what we're seeing out there as we're going through the data is some school systems are already in compliant with what the law is going to be. Uh, those tend to be smaller school systems, maybe school systems who aren't growing as rapidly. We know that there are pressure points in certain areas of certain urban counties and maybe suburban counties that are growing very quickly. So we're using the data to kind of figure out how we might need to handle those situations. but. It is our intent to, to keep moving the classroom size down because it is the complement to the K-3 um, reading uh, and literacy goals that we've set for the state. And you, you and I both know whether a student is able to read and do math well by the end of their third grade year really sets their trajectory for the rest yeah, of their oh, life. It's critical, and, and that's what this, this issue, I mean, no one has ever argued that uh, lower class sizes um, isn't a, it couldn't have a positive benefit, you know, for the students. But what what people have been sort of turning out, you know, you've the protests, the, the the other issues that have been raised is is the funding and also the timing. I mean, we're in January and this money hasn't been allocated yet. Superintendents are having to make staffing decisions. Teachers are having to make decisions on whether they're going to come back or even know if they have a job. I mean, are you not concerned that it's it's going to be kind of late in the game for a decision like this? So what we've been told by the school districts is they start to make these decisions uh, in March and April. And so um, they were supposed to give us the data in October. It came in a little bit later. We have another round of data that's coming in in February. So I know there's a time crunch. This is always the case, though. And we, we feel like we have enough time to, to ultimately solve this problem. I think one of the issues that's out there 
Um, and one of the reasons why there's a lot of pressure on the school districts right now is because the General Assembly was giving local school districts money every single year to reduce classroom sizes and they didn't do it. They just didn't spend the well, money. Let me, that's okay. a, let me ask you about that because that's, it, it, frankly, some of the uh, sort of impl implication has been that we, we funded this and you've wasted it on other things. I mean, is, I mean, is this something that do you think the superintendents have sort of squandered this money and not spent it on things that were important? Well, I, I don't know that I would call it squandering or wasting, but when the state gives you money to lower classroom sizes and you spend it on something else, that's a problem. And so, and it causes problems. And one of the problems you're feeling out there is you have school districts who didn't take the classroom size money for what it was supposed to be used for and now they found themselves in a situation where they feel like they have to do too much at once. They're spending on teachers. I mean it's not I mean then they were spending it on teacher salaries and other things. I mean more beg the question are the schools just underfunded? Well I think fund, we can talk about whether or not they're they're funded correctly in other areas and I, I think that's that's viable but the, the, the situation that we're in is we know that there were classrooms out there in K through three that had as many as 30 students in them. And so if you're telling me that a superintendent was receiving money to reduce those classroom sizes and they decided to spend it on anything else, I, 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 that person needs to be held accountable. Okay. Um, 30 students in a first grade class, 34, 35 is way too much. And there was some great News and Observer reporting that showed here, right here in Wake County that you had elementary schools where their average class sizes were in the 30s right. um, at some of our elementary schools, and they were taking the money from the state to reduce those classroom sizes. Well, let me shift gears on that because I think this is related. Space. To reduce class sizes, uh, our school systems are going to have to add a lot of additional classroom spaces. Well, just looking at some examples, Wake County, 400 classrooms, which is the equivalent of 14 elementary schools. Onslow County, 87 classrooms. New Hanover County, 48 classrooms. Now. Is it feasible or realistic that our school systems could create that many new classrooms to meet this by August? Well, I think two things. I think one of the reasons why some, and you name, you name some of the fast growing areas of the state. One of the reasons they're feeling this pinch is because they did not make lowering the classroom sizes a priority as we've been funding them for the past three or four years. So when Wake County was going through and doing their comprehensive um, building plans, they, they were not factoring in lowering classroom size. And so you have school systems who now feel in a real pinch because they took the money from the state, they did not lower classroom sizes with it, and they also did not um, plan accordingly. Now, that has created a lot of mistrust between, I think, the General Assembly and administrators right. in the state. But I think what you're, the question you're asking is, well, those are the facts, and so what do we do? Okay. And we are looking at the data, and we totally understand those things. I mean, I understand that some of this, whether I like it or not, no matter how upset it makes me because this was one of the largest spending priorities of the General Assembly and it just didn't happen, um, we still know that it has to be done in a reasonable way. And I, I think the data that we're getting is going to allow us to understand better how to get there over the next couple years. Now let me go a little bit further on that. Um, do you believe that the school superintendents were actually using uh, the money that was allocated them for something uh, inappropriate or that they squandered it in some way? Or, you know, again, they were granted flexibility by the General Assembly, uh, you know, to spend the money the way they thought was best for their district. Do you think that this is, uh, you know, something I don't know, illegal or inappropriate was going on? 
I'm not suggesting that they that they wasted it or that they did something illegal. What I'm suggesting is we gave the money to them for a specific purpose in this area and it wasn't used in that area and now you're starting to feel the consequences of not spending those dollars um, correctly is all that I'm arguing. Got you. Just to wrap up the conversation around class size space and, and the enhancement teachers, is it your belief that the General Assembly will move forward and fund enhancement teachers and fund the class size mandate but not provide resources for the classroom space that will be required? Well, the, the school building size is, I mean, that's always been a responsibility of uh, the locals. We pay for the teachers, we pay for the curriculum, and our local LEAs, along with their county commissioners, um, they pay for the classroom, the actual physical spaces of the classroom. Will those things be taken into consideration as we work on a solution? A solution? Absolutely. But we have to get serious. I mean, we can't, the, the General Assembly who gives most of the money for public education in North Carolina cannot continue to be in a situation where we make large investments, large expenditures, and those things go unheeded. And it's very important for any, I mean, the governor's got a education task force out there, education task force all over the place trying to figure out how to do this better. Um, and we can appropriate it better, certainly, but if it's not spent the right way at the local level, you'll have no idea what you are, what you are really getting for what you're doing um, in terms of public policy. And that's a real problem we have to address. Now, one of the things you've talked about um, today is about the need for oversight and accountability. You said the superintendents, the school districts receive money. Uh, and then they didn't use it for the things you intended. Now, when it comes to oversight and accountability, the General Assembly is also giving a lot of money to things like private school vouchers. About a billion dollars in funds are earmarked to go to these private schools. And, and in fact, we reported out on this show that the, the single largest recipient of private school vouchers, Trinity Christian in Fayetteville, uh, embezzled money from the state they have an employee who is in jail, but also still teaching at the school. I mean, doesn't that sort of beg the question that if there's any oversight that's needed, it's actually in a program like that? Sure, and um, um, you guys broke that story. I think it is uh, something we definitely need to look at when we come into the short session about the um, kind of the quality control on some of the administrators in these private schools. I think that's absolutely a fine uh, conversation. I will though say that that money is going to the to the student and there are parents involved in those choices as well as as the state of North Carolina and when we talk about accountability with private schools you know you've read the legislation um, it's only been in place for about three years we needed that time to collect data and in terms of academic quality uh, we'll be getting there very soon. Last question for you you're not seeking re-election I'm I think I'm, I'm just curious for what's next for uh, Senator Chad Barefoot. Are you, you have any plans to run for another office? Well, I, I still have a year on my term, which I plan to faithfully serve out. Um, but ultimately, you know, that's kind of a decision between my family and I. Uh, and I, I don't mind sharing this, but my, my wife and I, we've had three children in the past five years, which is how long I've been in the General Assembly. <laughs> And um, being a daddy uh, for the next little while is really 
um, a priority of mine, especially as my kids enter well, school. You've got you've got little ones, all under five, right? And you've got a and you've got a job at uh, at Lewisburg. So, um, well, look, we appreciate you sitting down with us and talking to us about this. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Keith. Thanks. We appreciate Senator Barefoot sitting down with us. When we come back, we'll be joined by Senator Rick Horner and Harnett County Superintendent Dr. Aaron Fleming. Welcome back to Education Matters. Joining us now to continue our discussion, we have Senator Rick Horner. Rick Horner represents Johnston, Nash, and Wilson counties. He also spent 14 years on the Nash uh, Rocky Mount School Board, so he knows a little bit about education, too. Next to him is an educator, Dr. Aaron Fleming. Uh, Dr. Fleming is the superintendent of Harnett County Schools. He also has a little unique perspective. He was the former uh, education advisor to House Speaker Tim Moore, so you know a little bit about how the sausage is made, as it were. Well, let's hope. <laughs> okay. Well, look, I appreciate you both coming in. Let me start with you, uh, Dr. Fleming. Harnett County. Has Harnett County Schools today, have you been allocated enough money by the General Assembly to meet the lower class sizes and also fund all of your art, music, and PE teachers next year? Right now, the way the situation Harnett County is in is we've been able to uh, use our state allotment. We've been very fortunate, though, that we have uh, county commissioners that also gave us an allotment to meet the class size mandate for this current school year where we uh, dropped the uh, student-to-teacher ratio by one. So right now, we're, we're in good shape for this school year. Uh, we do have some concern coming up with uh, the additional teachers we need and, and what the price tag will be attached to them. So the new, the new class year, you're, you're, you're on traditional calendars, the start Starting in August, how many teachers, how many classrooms does Harnett County um, forecast that it will need to meet the mandate? Right now, Harnett County would need about 56 teachers in order to meet just a cl uh, the K-3 class size mandate. That does not add in the number of uh, teachers we need K-12 just for the growth going on in Harnett County. As far as physical uh, uh, construction of classrooms we need somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 to 46 uh, once again that's just for the K, uh, the K3 that's not counting our schools that are currently overcrowded that we already have to build both are uh, all elementary middle and high schools that we need right now Senator Horner um, that story that uh, those numbers that uh, Dr. Fleming just shared uh, you've heard same the same kinds of numbers from all over the state is it is it even possible if the General Assembly came back tomorrow and, and provided all the funding necessary for these school districts to meet this mandate in August. I've said that for over a year. It's not politically or uh, practically possible. Although if the money was there, we don't have the buildings or the teachers to meet this. So we've had a lot of gnashing of teeth over something that really just cannot happen as, as the law currently demanding. And we'll have to address it, as, that's, as you know and heard earlier. Right. Well, Senator Barefoot, I mean, he, you know, he acknowledged that um, it is an issue and that, and that this, he said the General Assembly intends uh, to fund the enhancement teachers, um, but didn't give a specific timeline. There's been some suggestion, well, actually, Senator Barefoot did say superintendents tell them March or April would be okay. I mean, do you think that, uh, that, that we can wait that long? I don't know, but no one in the General Assembly has called to ask me when we should do it. Uh, I'll assure you that. <laughs> but uh, 
it's got to be done early enough for the planning for budget time for these. And I'm sorry we had to wait so long to get there. That, that's the only true apology I have on this to all our superintendents and our school folks across the state because this has caused a lot of undue burden. Uh, but we're going to fix it. There's no question about it. Everybody's committed to addressing it. It's just how we do it and, and how we uh, monitor the, the future funds we dedicate to class size reduction. Uh, that's I think that's going to be the... The issue now, uh, uh, Superintendent Fleming, you um, a, as a superintendent, you're responsible for for hiring all these teachers and finding all this space and work. I mean, do you um, do you have enough time? I mean, sort of, where are you in the process now? Could I mean, um, it, it would seem like time would be a real challenge right now. It is, and, and somewhat of the uncertainty. So while we know we need the additional teachers where our staff uh, is, is currently looking at right now is where are we going to go out and find these teachers? We're already planning recruiting trips up north into the uh, Great Lakes states, uh, states into uh, the Midwest, which means we have to allocate more funding uh, to pay those expenses. So we're really in a difficult situation between what the General Assembly will do before we really get down to uh, finding out the number of teachers we need and, and the number of teachers we need to find um, in the beginning of the school year. And so uh, we are hopeful that something will happen, uh, but on the same side, we also are uh, trying to be realistic and know that we may have to go out and find um, a significant number of teachers. So we're already lining up uh, those trips that we will send uh, okay. recruiters off to. Um, and Keith, I might add, uh, what is your supplement in your county? Our supplement in Harnett County runs about seven to eight percent. And Wake is eighteen and a half, so they'll be exactly. coming to get some That's of your exactly. teachers. And we've talked That's about right. it on the show before. I mean, uh, I mean, the, the largest school, the, the Wake County's got a big challenge with space, but uh, they they tend to have a little bit easier time. So. Um, is the General Assembly going to fix this? I'm sure we're going to fix it. Now, whether there'll be new funding for the enhancement teachers, or maybe I would think there might be a carve-out possibly from existing funds to sort of make the uh, enhancement teachers, which are the focus of all this, a, a little more viewable and visible uh, in the budget. But I don't know where that's going to lead. There may be indeed new funding for those positions. But uh, clearly, it, it's going to be addressed. And, uh, I just want to make sure that the art, music, and PE teachers know that they're valued and they're not going to be driven out in droves, as some of the fear mongers have said about this. It's but but there's not, but, but, but there's not a there's not a penny funded for next school year for art, music, and no, PE teachers, are, right? They are funded in that K three allotment, which they were folded into the existing schedule, which is so convoluted, I, I dare to right. share it with viewers or else they'll leave your show. <laughs> okay. Well, let me, I want to stop you. I want to get a last comment in from, um, from Dr. Fleming. If you were in charge, if you could make things happen, how would you fix it? Well, I think there's really a few, a few different ways I would want to fix it. One is no one disagrees that lower class size uh, is not an important, uh, or everyone agrees it is an important issue. I think what we've got to be able to do is lower the class size, lower that student-teacher ratio at, ratio at the same time, uh, or in tandem, of doing some other things, like continuing to increase the teacher pipeline. Uh, I, I, uh, school construction bond would be wonderful right now uh, and, and base that off of the economic development tiers. Uh, and then finally, um, find a way uh, possibly through an additional allotment to school districts to pay for these enhancement teachers, the art teachers, the music teachers, and PE teachers. Uh, right. I think those are three three big uh, things we can do okay. to uh, to fix well, this issue. Well, I, we, we, I appreciate there's a lot to talk about, but we're out of time. But I appreciate y'all coming on the show today, and we'll keep uh, an eye on what's going on. Thank you for what you do. Appreciate it. After the break, this week's final word. 
The K-3 class size mandate has been a challenging issue to cover, but one thing is clear now. When the General Assembly passed the class size mandate and removed the flexibility school systems have in staffing, thousands of art, music, and PE teaching jobs became at risk. Now, as of today, there is no funding for those teachers for 2018-2019 and to also meet the new K-3 class size mandate. Something has got to give. Now, we trust our teachers with our children's education. We also trust our principals and assistant principals and our school superintendents to manage the schools the way they believe meets the needs of their community. I believe that's what they do. Now, there's been some rhetoric tossed around that school superintendents have been misspending taxpayers' dollars, but what we really find out is, no, the districts were spending teacher salary dollars on teacher salaries. And if they were not spending them for positions to lower certain class sizes, it's because they saw more critical needs elsewhere in what is chronically underfunded school systems. Now, our school leaders deserve to be treated like the professionals they are, and our students and teachers deserve certainty as soon as possible about what funding, if any, is coming from the General Assembly. Yes, there is heated rhetoric on both sides, but only one side, the General Assembly, holds all the money and all the power. That's it for this week's show. Next week, a special episode taped live at the Public School Forum's Exit Issues Breakfast. We have a great panel to discuss the top education issues for 2018. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.